National Day of Prayer. As much as we who are called by the name of Jesus manipulate and use and banter and throw the word prayer around, sadly, too few of us as Christians engage ourselves in any meaningful, disciplined prayer. Too few of us have any set time on a regular, daily basis which we spend with the Lord in prayer. We pray in church, huh? and we worship in church, and we're active in church. But prayer, the disciplined prayer, is absent from our lives. Huh? Prayer. What, what is it? It is that somebody talked in their prayer. It is that intimate, private relationship that we have with our Lord. And that only we who are called by the name of Jesus can have. Everybody can talk to God as it were. But prayer is for the children of God. Born of the spirit. And washed in his blood. So elementary just have to say that elementary tonight is that we have to be first of all a people who are having this quiet private prayer relationship with God before we can venture into the house of God and pray meaningfully the prayer that God will honor and respect. Our relationship with God is founded, is built on our private prayer relationship with the Lord. Too many of us have public relationships it was the 27th of September. I'm not going to tell you what year because a woman over there is going to work out my business and know all my details. <laughs> it was Monday, the 29th of September, two days after that. My father was going to drive me into Kingston to begin four years of seminary. That Monday evening, Monday night, I went to visit with Jean, a friend. There was nothing untoward about it. And at breakfast that morning, my dad says, because he came in before me, my dad said, where were you last night? And I don't know why we always think we must lie <laughs> instead of just say it. I mean, he ain't going to kill you. 
I mean, you weren't doing anything wrong, you know. But we don't immediately move to speak the truth. And as I was hesitating, he knew where I was. Black folks won't mind their own business. So, I mean, he knew very well where I was. He said, if you cannot be seen with her in public and speak openly of her, you should not be seeing her in private. I'm, it's a twisted way. Too many of us have the public encounter with him. But there is no private interaction with him. You, you, you hear what I'm trying to say? This same man, my dad, this same man who, a businessman, active man, never seen my father in church, except for funerals, weddings, at my ordination, as far as I was concerned, prayer to this conversation, my father was not a Christian. Never seen him pray, heard him cuss, all that kind of stuff. I had to go through his room one night, and I opened the door. And my father, and for me to describe him to you, and for you to, for you to understand the contradiction is not possible. My father was kneeling in the bed, not beside the bed, was kneeling in the bed with his butt in the ear. I don't know how old I was, but if you had stuck me with a pin, you wouldn't find any blood because that's the last person birth based on the public life that I know and I see. He is the last person I would expect to see on his knees prostrate before the Lord in prayer. He talks religion. He talks church. He talks Bible. But he does not live or he does not act it and he does not demonstrate it. But here he was kneeling in the bed. My first year in, at St. Cyprian's. First trip out of town got to Florida, and they told me, your sister is trying to reach you. And I called her. She says, Papa has died. Went on to Jamaica, and my sister and I, as we prepared and went through his stuff, found a Bible. We call it a school Bible because back then, it was the Bible that every kid, special edition, Tattered and worn, tied with cord. And we each ask up to this day, when did our father read a Bible? Huh? Had a private relationship with him, but that relationship was not displayed publicly. Unfortunately, too many of us as Christians has the opposite. 
We have a public go to church, prayer, worship, relationship with him. But we have no private relationship. And some of us have a private relationship with him. We are in prayer relationship with him, but there's no public demonstration of that. There is no letting your light shine before men that they may see your good works and be led to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Huh? Prayer. God in Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to have a maturing relationship with his children based on prayer. Our communication with him. And I don't have time. And this is not one in which we do all the talking. Huh? It has to be a two-way street. And, let, and let, me, let, let me be personal and let me make sure you understand. It's not always easy with me anyhow. I got a long list. And in these so-called retirement, everybody asks me what I'm, what I'm doing in retirement. God ain't right. Understand me. I got more stuff now to be praying about than when I had a church. I have situations and people that God is presenting to me and I am knowing what I am to do with them. And therefore, it is not, it is not always the listening. So what he does with me is that I talk and I talk and I talk and at 3 o'clock in the morning, at 2.30 in the morning, he brings me awake. And he says, you listen. Yeah. He wake. Saw it on, 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 on the wall here, um, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 3. He wakens me morning by morning for him to talk to me, for me to listen, for me to sit still. And, and, and suddenly I, 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 I hear what I said yesterday. I heard the decision that I made yesterday and I now hear him whisper in the quiet of my heart what I should have said, what I need to undo and the decision that ought to have. But I didn't listen. I couldn't. I talked. I talked. And I talked. They listen. See, in our prayer, God wants us to be still. We don't know how to be still. We got to talk. We got to talk. We got to talk. He wants us to be still. Sometimes, folks, the prayer is just to just sit in his presence. We can't do that. To just sit and be quiet and don't say anything. Man had gone to the psychiatrist. Francine is here. She has heard it before. 
but she got to give her a new her, um, let her hear it differently. Man had gone to the psychiatrist because of all that was happening. And, and he says, I want you to go home and I want you to just sit for an hour each day and then come back and see me. He went to his office, to his, to his, his little room that he had set apart, and, and he sat and he listened to his radio and he read a page or two and he smoked his pipe and he went back and this, he said to the psychiatrist, but nothing has changed. And he said, tell me what you did. And he says, I went in, I read a page of a few things and I have a little radio in there and I listened and I smoked for a while. And he says, I want you just to sit and be still. We can't, we can't be still. The telephone. Huh? You watch people waiting wherever they are. They can't just sit anymore. You one of them? They can't just sit and be still. They got to be playing a game. On, on, on their phone. Sometimes I have to wonder to myself if I am challenged with my phone because I don't have anything to do on it. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? He just wants us to, to sit and be and be still. To just listen. To just be there. Let me, let me give you two examples. One is personal and one is scripture. Louise Greer, old parishioner, had gone to visit with her at the fountain. She was dying. We know she was dying, but I didn't know at that moment that she was dying. I visited. She was frail. I talked to her. She can't talk back to me too much. I read scripture. I prayed. And it was cold. And I sat for a while and I got up to put my coat on. And with her fleeting breath, she says, don't leave. And I sat back down. You see, I'm a preacher. And you go to visit the sick. And you know what you're supposed to do. So you think. I had read scripture to her. I had prayed with her. You know, I had talked with her. I had done my thing. You understand? I had, I had done what I was supposed to do. And it wasn't easy, it seems, to just sit there with this woman. First African-American female probation officer in the state of Michigan. Black woman taught French before she became a probation officer. I couldn't sit still because you know, you know where you got to go. You know what you got to do when you leave here. So when I, when I thought, stay with me, when I thought she was a little asleep. I got up, took my coat out, and I walked out of the room. I wasn't five minutes in the house. I went from 
um, Franklin down the lodge to my house. I was not five minutes in the house before the telephone rang. It was the chaplain calling to tell me that Louise had transitioned. But I was too busy to sit still with a dying woman. Just sit down. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to read any scripture. Just sit and be still. That's prayer. You don't have to call heaven. Just be still in his presence. So Jesus, the second one. Jesus, the most favorite prayer um, that we, we all kind of remember. Gethsemane. One petition. Huh? Scripture says he prayed until his sweat become like great drops of blood. Father, let this cup pass from me. Huh? And he got up. And literally, he paced. You know when people pace? He stopped praying. And he got up to be still. And in the still moment, he walked. He's been quiet. He went to the disciples. He found them sleeping. And he asked them, could you not watch one hour? You crazy? <laughs> Me? You? Pray for one hour? Yes. Could you not watch with me one hour? But he wasn't really, the, 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 the interest there was not going to see what the disciples were doing. The interest was to give God a chance to whisper, to speak, to say, to give his answer to the prayer. He was being still. He was listening to the Father. Hey. He came back the second time. And the scripture said he prayed the same prayer a second time. And he got up after saying those same brief words a second time. And he went to the disciples. And he came back to the stone ooh, where he was kneeling. And he prayed. And this time the prayer changes. Oh, help me out. He says, if this cup must not. Why is he now changing? Because in the walk. In, oh, you're a preacher. In the walk. He didn't hear, this is my well-beloved son, hear him. No, there was no voice like on the, on, at his baptism. But in the quiet ooh, of his spirit. But you see, I can't sit still enough to be... Somebody with me this tonight? To pray, to just be still. Lord. 
so I can hear from the Lord. Let's talk about what happened. Let's take time to see what happened when the people of God, the church of God, pray. Yes. Huh? There are three of them I was going to give you, but I'm not going to give you all three of them tonight. Just one. When the people of God prays. When the church of God pray. I'm going to give you two that you're going to write down and take, read on your own. You know the stories. Esther chapter 4. Hmm? Read that one when you go home. Esther got the news and she told, sent message back to Mordecai to gather the Jews of Susa and let them for three days fast and pray. You see what happened when the people of God praise. You you, you hear what I'm trying to say? Jonah, you remember him? You know the story, Jonah chapter 3. And Jonah wasn't a willing willing servant. But God has his way. God uses not just the clean, but the unclean, the willing and the (laughs) unwilling. And Jonah went through Nineveh and he preached. Huh? And, and, and the king heard the message. And he declared, he called the nation to prayer, to sackcloth and ashes. And you see what happened when people pray. The hands of God woo, are stayed. While, while, while you turn into the third one, which we're going to read, and then we're going to be done. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12. Huh? We're in a pandemic. We had a situation that we were supposed to be dealing with. I suspect we have dealt with it, but I don't know. You see, sometimes we forget as Christians that one of two things happen. Either God sent it or God allowed it. It had to pass through God first. So if God allowed it or God sent it, then there is a reason. And I'm going to tell you what the reason is. Because too many of my people got church relationship with me. But no private relationship with me. So God does the unthinkable. He closed the doors of the houses of worship. Not the church. Because the church is the people of God. He closed the 
doors of the houses of worship so that the people of God could open the doors of their closets. You remember what he says? Open the closet door and enter into a relationship, a prayer relationship with him. But something in my spirit tells me that the people of God haven't done what they're supposed to do. If my people, no. He says, when I send the locusts, when I send the drought, when I send the pandemic, if my people, not not unsaved America, my born-again people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear their prayers and I will Nineveh did, and the hand of God's wrathful hand was stayed. I don't know that the people of God, I'm not talking about political, unsaved America. I'm talking about the people of God. You see, you, you see let me talk to you and talk to you. I'm still waiting to hear Billy Graham's son says the nation is to pray. I'm still waiting for my presiding bishop to say the nation is to pray. I'm still waiting for my local bishop to announce that the nation is to to pray. I'm still waiting for the bishop at greater grace. I'm still waiting for the bishop at word of faith. I'm still waiting for the bishop at the potter's field. I'm still... I hear everybody tell us, are we going to get over this? But I haven't heard anybody yet tell us that we as the people of God need to see the hand of God stretched out in anger against us because of our sins and call us to repent and to pray and to... Nineveh prayed... And God heard Acts of the Apostles. Chapter 12. We're going to read a little bit. And then we're done. It was about this time that King Herod, are you with me? Arrested some who belonged to the church. Intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting Peter, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. 
Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Stay with me. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night. Somebody say that night. That night before Herod was to bring him to trial. We don't know how long Peter was in jail. But the night before Peter was to go to trial. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. The church was Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. The church is... Somebody help me. Huh? They passed the first and the second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. The church is praying. Huh? Then Peter came to himself. And said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Peter is in jail. Peter don't know what is happening outside. The church is praying. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door! The church ooh, is praying. You're out of your mind. They told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. The church is praying and God has answered prayer and the church is still praying. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James 
and the brothers about this, he said. And then he left for another place. You get the message? This is what happens when the church, the people of God, pray. Not in church. Because you see, some of us can't pray if praise and worship don't happen. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? We, we got to be... I didn't say it now. That's the preacher over there. <laughs> don't run me out of town. <laughs> some of us can't pray if praise and worship didn't happen. You, you, you understand me? But when the people of God, when the church of God, who have a closeted prayer relationship with God, when they come out of the closet and together uh, unite their voices in prayer, things happen. Uh, prison gates are open. Nations repent. The wrath of God is stayed, as in the case of Nineveh. Esther has the courage to go into the king. And the king reaches out to her, not because of her beauty, but because some people have... Oh. Let me just ask you this. Can you imagine... Stretch your imagination. Can you imagine what would happen if the 10,000 at the potter's house, at the 5,000 over at Greater Grace, the 15,000 up at Word of Faith, the half a dozen that meet in a little house someplace in the city. Can you imagine what would happen in this land if the church of God... Can you imagine what would happen if my presiding bishop and all the other bishops of the house of bishop had wept between the altar and... Can you imagine what would happen if some of us as pastors in the city of Detroit got out of our cars, got out of our robes and prayed? Not the pastoral, churchified prayer, but wept, poured out our hearts to God. If my people, when the people of God praise. All of that areas of concern that we had to pray about tonight and the National Day of Prayer. If the people of God were praying people of God in this nation, none of those situations would merit our prayer tonight because they wouldn't be there. Huh? God wouldn't have to reverse. He would have, have, he would have stopped it. In the beginning, it wouldn't have come to a motion. 
It wouldn't have come to the floor. But they're the people of God. Oh, they're worshiping all right. They're in church all right. They're having wonderful praise and worship. And they're getting their praise on. But praying, talking, having a relationship with him. Huh? When the saints begin to pray, then the Lord shall have his way. I'm done. In our Book of Common Prayer, all our Book, book of Common Prayer, in our um, non-communion morning worship, has a prayer, and because we kind of have a roots in um, British, has a prayer to be prayed for the queen and the members of the royal family. The American translation version or whichever country you're in, it changes from there, in this case, to the president of the United States. And Billy Graham, long before he died, made the observation that we had stopped praying for our presidents on a weekly basis. And as a result of our failure to pray on an ongoing, regular basis, we are in the situation that we're in. Paul writes, and, and scripture is so powerful and challenging. Paul writes, to Timothy. Huh? I don't understand. Timothy's a young pastor. Best estimate, guesstimate, is that he was, he could have been anywhere between 19 and 23 years old. He was no old man. But Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I want first of all that prayers and supplication to the young man, yes. to the young pastor, yes. not to the seasoned yes. pastor, yes. but to the young and upcoming pastor. Yes. Huh? Yes. That prayers and supplications be made for all men, starting with. Yes. You go figure out. Paul was trying to say, if you don't pray for those who are set in authority over you, you're going to have a hard time with your ministry. So you need to nip it in the bud. And what you need to do if you're going to preach, if you're going to be successful, if you're going to save, is that you need to pray for those who are set in the authority. Our National Day of Prayer, Reconciled Church, isn't over tonight. Amen. Amen. We who are the people of God are called, expected. If our relationship with him is to be a relationship that is matured, huh? ever increase in faith. Yes. If our relationship is to be 
ever-increasing faith relationship, we have to be people of prayer. Behind closed doors. And then, when we get together in the house of the Lord. Here's my question for you, for me, for all of us. What situation is prevailing in our land, in our lives, because we have refused to pray. What is the prevailing situation right here in our land because you and I haven't prayed? What is the prevailing situation in your life, in your relationship, with your finances, with your health, with your job, with your retirement that you're dealing with? And it is only prevailing because you lip-talk prayer. Hmm? In the name of Jesus.